You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, and Nicole Galicchio, LCOO. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the resources and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you are just starting out or you've been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to meet your needs. Welcome back to yet another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Today, we are going to talk about creating a highly engaged community. I have special guest AJ Amex with me today. And this is a topic that I know is front of mind for most business owners and entrepreneurs, having an engaged community, one that you interact with on a regular basis, a high following is really front of mind for everyone and it is a hot topic. So I'm happy to have you here with us, AJ. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been in the online, I guess, expert space, I guess is what you would call it for for 12 years, I remember the, back in the day before we had ClickFunnels and a lot of the technology where we kind of had to hand code things and write HTML and all of those things. And so I've been I've been in this game for what feels like 40 years because like internet <laughs> years are different than like I like linear years. It seems like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun helping people build communities, helping people you know build seven figure businesses um, online. I'm coaching people from just starting up to coaching to people who have, you know, seven figure businesses. It's just been a, it's been a lot of fun. Wild ride. It does feel though, you know, being in this space as well for almost two decades, it feels double. (laughs) It it doesn't, it, it, it goes by much quicker um, in this virtual realm than it does, you know, working hands-on, but that's for another topic today. We're talking about engaging with everyone in, in, uh, today's community. So can you tell our audience about why in today's very, very competitive atmosphere, having an engaged community is highly important. And I think more importantly, you know, we're using the term engaged community. What do you consider that to be and what, what should the standard be? So for me, an engaged community is, it's almost kind of like if people were sitting around a campfire and if everybody's just standing there looking at each other, <laughs> Is that an engaged conversation? I think many people would say, no, it's not an engaged conversation. That's just people or friends or family hanging around a campfire, not saying anything at all. But if it was an engaged family, if they're an engaged, well-connected family or friends, there's going to be these conversations that are be going back back and forth. There's going to be multiple conversations that are be going back and forth. There's going to be referrals and recommendations that are going to be happening. Like it's this very... I would call it just an engaged conversation. So for me, that same principle is applied uh, to creating like this virtual online community. It's like, how can we see people as people? How can we create a safe space where it is like everybody gathered around that campfire where they want to to share, where they they can share whatever that that they feel led to share that's relevant to the family um, values and the family dynamics. And there is a safe, welcome, loving space where people are happy to give recommendations or share what they're going through. To me, that's that's what kind of this highly engaged community is all about. Um, rather than, I think a lot of people use community as just kind of like this customer service space rather than like, hey, how do we curate? How do we create? How do we orchestrate this very warm, welcoming environment around specific topics and specific values 
where people can can congregate, they can gather, they want to be there, they want to share those conversations. For me, that's what a highly engaged community is about. I like that you said this warm environment. I think that the virtual atmosphere is very cold, right? It's very isolating. It's quite independent. Yeah. So what are your three keys to creating this warm engagement in this warm environment with your audience? Well, the first key is really understanding that community is more than a value add. You know, I think a lot of people, they build a course or they create a service or they create some type of an event. And then they kind of think of community as this after this after thought where they're like, okay, well, let's just throw a community in there, let people have their conversations and uh, yeah, put a number on it, make it a value item. And just, yeah, there you go. Value add for community. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a complete wasted opportunity because like when we start looking at the stats, I was looking at like these stats from sell courses online and they showed that 66% um, pot, like of communities, like 66% of the people said that the community positively impacted customer retention. They went on to say that 68% um, percent generated more leads, 55% saw an increase in sales. They also noted that customers spent 19% more with the company after joining and participating inside of the community. And so I see like this is this is a huge opportunity. Part of this is a huge opportunity because I don't think we can question right now if chat GPT and if AI are revolutionizing things. Uh, they totally are. Like they're totally revolutionizing the coaching course creation, the membership industries. I mean, they're helping people crank out content like a machine because we used to be able to say, well, just create content, just nurture people with content. And that's what's going to create this warm, inviting um, kind yeah. of atmosphere, right? But with content generated by machines, I don't know if you feel this way, Nicole. I experience this. I feel like some of the content, a lot of the content these days feels cold and distance. It doesn't have this warmth. And now this is going to sound maybe really strange, but hang with me here. I don't know if you've ever received a birthday card from your grandmother or one of your grandmothers or maybe some beloved family member at some point in time. I know I have. And here's a crazy experience that I had, and every single human being I've talked to up to this point had a very similar experience. When you open up the card from your grandmother, that beloved family member, it's it's a piece of paper. And then there's ink on that paper where typically the family member, the grandmother has written some little note um, to, to you. And then when you read it, something magical tends to happen, which is you hear their voice, and more importantly, you feel and have this emotional experience, you feel the state in which that person was in when they wrote that card to you. This is very interesting because if we look at just like the facts, it's just a piece of paper that was written by a human and there's ink on a piece of paper. But however, there's this untouchable magic in there where you have an experience. My experience has been when humans create content and they pour their heart and soul into the content, Something like their, you call it their life force, you call it their inspiration, you can call it their spirit. I don't know what you want to call it, their emotional state. It transfers through them, through their fingertips, into the keyboard, into the content. And there's still the possibility if the content is created with intention, there's still an emotional experience that takes place, just like opening up that that card. So I see when people start creating content, they start creating community with intention. They're able to start creating how we opened up this podcast, those campfire type experiences. And I do not see how AI or chat GPT or any other chat bots in the future could replicate that intention 
being poured out into the space, into that online community. And to me, that's the first key is realizing community is way more than just a value add. Like it can be the number one thing that your course, that your online experience, your online event, even your service-based business could completely hinge on. And it's one of the things that can completely separate you from all of the market because when everybody else is trying to do everything at scale and do stuff with faster, more effective, 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 and I'm not against using any of the tools, I'm just entertaining the possibility of what happens, what could happen for a company if they started to really approach community as more than a value add and actually put intention into crafting that space. To me, that is the first key, Nicole. I couldn't agree more, AJ. I recently did a Coffee Bite segment on our podcast that talks about what's happening right now to all of our content creators, all of our artists, everything that even our graphic designers, right? And our video editors where AI can simply just run through it. It looks professional. It looks great. And but there's no purpose or intention or voice behind it. And I, I couldn't agree more that Yes, the content is being pumped out very fast and effectively, and obviously you can write a lot more than your fingers can type or you could speak to uh, text. But I feel that everyone also now knows that articles are likely not written by the person behind it. And they're just like that, like mass email, mass mass email is, is gone, right? There's no point behind mass emails anymore. They, everyone's it's spam. Yep. So our article is going to become spam as well. And how do you know whether or not it was actually written by AI? Like a lot of us have an eye for it now, if you use it regularly, but are you able to trust that the person that wrote it actually wrote it and has knowledge on it? Right. Did, did exactly. they really think about all of this stuff? Is this something they have experience with or did AI calculate it? So I completely align with everything that you said about key number one. And I am very excited to hear what key number two is because key number one was big. <laughs> so the second key that I, I see is uh, micro communities, like use micro communities to grow your online business. Um, and here's why. 70% of millennials buying decisions are influenced by micro communities, which is kind of crazy to think about it. But if I think about myself, and it's kind of hard for me to consider myself a millennial, I'm 38. So I'm like kind of a millennial, but I'm kind of not a millennial. I'm kind of on the I'm cusp. right there with you. <laughs> I'm so right I... there with you. It's, I, we teeter, right? We're in that space where we shift back and forth, I think. Exactly. I, I tend to tend towards the non-millennial personally, but sometimes I'm like, I guess I am. I don't know. Maybe you can relate. But I can look at my own buying behavior. Like my wife and I, we're looking at, at moving to Spain here come, come May of this year for, I don't know how long we'll stay. Maybe we'll stay for a long time. Maybe we won't, but we're, we're going to go. Um, and so we're finding ourselves joining micro communities of expats, right? We're asking, we're actually just kind of watching the conversations and seeing what people are saying and where they're moving to. And so I can see even in my own buying behavior when I'm making decisions, how micro communities influence like a bit of my decision-making. Like I'm looking at going to Gijón or we're looking at going to San Sebastian or we're looking to go to Bilbao up in the northern part of Spain to stay in the mountains and on the beach as well. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know Santander was another city. Oh, I didn't know this place had Celtic culture. Like all of this information is coming from micro communities. So I find oftentimes if an expert or a business owner will think through like, okay, how could I 
solve a very specific problem for a very specific person, and then I can build a micro community around that. That's going to help start warming people up and building relationships um, with people. And you're not really having to like, all right, let me convince you that I know how to help you. Instead, you could use a micro community to just demonstrate your ability to help them sol solve that small problem. And then if you use that, uh, you can use that and leverage that to then start being like, hey, now that I've helped you solve this small problem, would you like to solve this bigger problem? And more and more people be like, well, yeah, I would, I, I would love to do that. You just helped me with this. So I'd like to see if you could help me with that. So I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of using micro communities to grow the online business rather than just using cold traffic to drive people into a very big community, like use the micro community, then open up the relationship to point them to the bigger community. Does that make sense? It does. It makes sense to me. So, but if I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate, if I'm a solo entrepreneur, how do I know what my micro community is or how do I start my micro community? This is a great question. I love it. Um, so I find for so many people who are solopreneurs, they're amazing at what they do. Um, and I've totally been guilty of this myself where I can't see the forest for the trees because I'm like, well, this stuff is easy. Like, why? Let me just help you solve mm -hmm. this bigger problem. Why would I waste yeah. time doing a small thing? And then so I have to go back in time and, and really think like, what was a small specific problem that was a problem for me five years ago, 10 years ago? Um, or ask, ask my people, like, what's, what is something that you're struggling with? And so I have found time and time again, if I can help a, my perfect people just get that one thing that's on, that's been on their to-do list for the past 90 days or for six months and just, and just break it down and be like, Hey, I'll help you get this one thing off your to-do list in the next five days, the next seven days. That's a huge win for my perfect person. And now they're going to be able to build a relationship with me by me just demonstrating my ability to help them. That's where I would tell somebody to start. That's awesome. That's perfect advice. Thank you. As an executive, we know that it can be difficult to manage your work-life balance, find time to tackle all the items on that to-do list, or determine next steps to bring your business to the next level. Virtual Assist USA is your solution. Whether you need someone to help you with those daily tasks, or you would like to speak to someone about strategies for the next steps for your business, we are here to help. Find us today at www.virtualassistusa.com to find out what else we can do for you. Support for today's episode comes from Ruby, the number one client communication solution for growing businesses. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Ruby creates exceptional experiences for your callers and website visitors. They take messages, screen and transfer calls, schedule appointments, perform new client intake, confirm details with outbound calls, and much more. Just like an in-house receptionist, only better. Because they turn every ring into a relationship. It all adds up to more opportunities and more time saved. For more information, visit get.ruby.com backslash virtual assist USA for up to $150 off your first month of service with Ruby. Imagine you powered by Ruby. You're welcome. So what's your last key? Yeah. So this is my, my favorite key. And I call, I always tell people to leverage what I call the BCC method. 
Now the BCC method stands for like bite-sized bootcamp um, plus community equals clients. And so this kind of comes and hinges on this idea of using micro communities. So it's like, okay, well, if we could create a bite-sized bootcamp. So for example, if, if a life coach was like, hey, let me help you increase your capacity to love yourself, which always changes everything in my experience. Like it makes your marriage better. It makes your parenting better. It makes your business, it makes the whole world completely differently better. But it's a big, big thing to be, to be like, hey, let me help you love yourself, right? If you instead yeah. say, hey, let me help you rewire your money stories in the next 14 days, that's something specific. If somebody's teaching um, Instagram marketing and they're like, hey, let me teach you how to use Instagram to generate, uh, you know, to grow your business or whatever, that's a huge thing. If we said, hey, let me help you create your first reel or create a reel within the next five days or a week's worth of content in the next five days, that's something small and specific. And then what we can do once we have this micro community, you could use um, gamification to help pull people through the experience. So if we've been in business online for any amount of time, we know that probably one to 3% of people who buy a course uh, are only going to complete it. So there's this huge portion of people who buy things that they never use. And there's been plenty of studies that show gamification is a great way to just help incentivize people to do the very thing that they've paid you um, to help them learn to do. So give them points uh, for making the post, give them points for watching the video, give them points for completing an action item, but then take it further, take it further and give them incentivization. And so on the last day of your bite-sized bootcamp, if it's day five, day seven, day 14, day 21, tell them, hey, you see all these points that you've acquired, those become dollars and you could leverage those into the next step. And then you could cast a vision and then they could apply those points to the next experience with you, whether it's a coaching experience with you, or maybe it's money back on the original purchase. Like we could think through a different, a whole bunch of ways to like incentivize and redeem these points. And this is then what starts naturally allowing people um, to be pulled through the little micro community, the bite-sized bootcamp, and then warm people up and nurture them and then leverage all of those points is they've acquired into that next uh, next step with you. This is my very, very, very favorite way right now for like building highly engaged communities and then naturally warming people up to what's next. Do you ever talk about using, so that was a, a perfect scenario. And thank you for giving an example for our listeners to visualize how to do this. Do you ever talk to anyone about applying these micro community ideologies to their employees? I haven't applied this to employees. I have applied this to software companies and this way of thinking to software companies for their onboarding process. And that's okay. been working actually pretty well. Yeah, I just, my my brain, you know, being in the HR space for so long, uh, it naturally goes to, does this work for creating an engaged employee group, right? Could you use, you know, a point system with training courses and uh, icebreaker type activities to warm your employee engagement as well. So just something in the the back of my brain and yeah, I hope yeah. my audience's brain can it be, you know, I assume it will work the same way, but it would to be determined. <laughs> it would completely work the same way. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a hundred percent dependent on how the leader is going to lead. So if I apply this this way of thinking to employee orientation uh, and they're added into the online community, there's going to be a welcome post and the welcome post would need to say, hey, welcome 
here's our values, here's what we're about, but then cast the vision, which would be like over the next seven days, here's what I want you to do and cast that vision for them as the leader. And then, yeah, the gamification pieces are going to help them, are going to help pull them through kind of that, that onboarding process. But then the question becomes, as the owner of the company, as the CEO, or as the head of HR, how would you let employees redeem those points? Like, could those points be applied to vacation? Could those points be applied to earning sick days? Like, how could you allow them to redeem the points? And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong, especially when they're using gamification. It's like, okay, cool. You gave people points, but it's kind of like this for me. Could you imagine going to Chuck E. Cheese's, getting all the tickets, but then there's no prize redemption counter? Like, could you imagine that, Nicole? I can imagine that. And I'm like, <laughs> I can with my two toddlers screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they would have fun? Your two toddlers, would they have fun at Chuck E. Cheese if there was no prize redemption counter? No one would. No exactly. one would. Exactly. The employees that work there wouldn't because they deal with scry- crying kids all day long. Exactly. So just we can see like in the simple example of Chuck E. Cheese's how it, the prize redemption counter is basically the holy grail for Chuck E. Cheese's in the whole experience. So why can we not apply that principle? I call it incentivization to gamification to then reward these people, our employees, um, or our customers or our clients for participating and doing the very things that we want them to do. I love it. So with all of this said, if you could tell our listeners to start doing this one action item today to better their company's success, what would it be? I would tell them to to literally build a community. Like how can you build, again, that warm and tentful community that's based upon your values, that's based upon the vision, like you have this purpose, you have this cause, like how can you start really creating culture and community for your company? That's where I would, I would really live in the question and find a solution for that. Great. So as you know, our podcast is titled, Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Can you tell me what has been the best advice you've received as a business owner? So the best advice I've ever received as a business owner um, has been, you have nothing to prove, you have nothing to defend, which I know sounds crazy and it's very kind of ethereal life-based. No. But I found after coaching (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of people, um, even people who have built seven and eight figure businesses, oftentimes they've built that business in a reaction, like this unconscious reaction of they needed to either prove themselves to themselves or their family Mm -hmm. or to God. And then once they've obtained this, this thing, that pressure is still there. Like they still have something to prove or defend and they can't put their finger on it. So once they can like work through and, and realize like they don't have to prove or defend that they're not a loser or they don't have to prove or defend that they're not whatever, whatever their unconscious foundation that they've, they've built their thing and resistance to. Um, once they know like, inside they're just okay like they still there's still this foundation where they're going to create an empire or whatever it is they're called but it's not coming from what i'd call like this old i don't know fossil fuel like it just it has a shelf life that always kinds of tends to burn out and frustrate people or get them to some place of apathy at some point in time until they come home to the truth that they have nothing to prove nothing to defend not to themselves, not to their parents, not to the society, not to God. And then from this new place of like, they choose to create just because they choose to create 
that's when they start creating things or relating to what they've created from a place of peace and joy. That's been my biggest lesson thus far. It's, I think, or I shouldn't say, I think, I know it is very hard to overcome that, right? Even for me, who says to myself all the time, I have nothing to prove. I, it's something that's deep down, right? Whether it's how we were raised or just something in us, I have to chronically tell myself it's okay, right? And I'm sure, you know, our listeners are saying the same thing. How do I reach that aha moment? Um, but maybe it's something that's continuous to just continue to remind ourselves, or do you not think about it anymore? I think it's it's always there. I think it's part of the beingness of being human. There's always a part of us that's constantly asking this question, mm-hmm. even unconsciously, am am I going to survive? Like it's part of the beingness of being human. And and even if we take it deeper, there's the beingness of being human of this part of us that's like constantly like, I'm not okay in here. And, it, and it's just kind of online. It just is part of the beingness of being human. And so once we have an awareness of this, then we can just start watching it. You don't, you don't have to do anything because even trying yeah. to do something, you're, you're feeding. It's almost coming back to that Native American adage where you have two wolves on the shoulder and it's like, well, which one wins? And you're like, well, which, mm-hmm. whichever one you feed. And so if we're constantly like, oh, here's this part of me who feels like it's not okay. I have to do something to make sure he's okay. Then we're, we're constantly feeding the wolf. So it's like, just watch the wolf and and just keep just like you're doing. It sounds like it's, I'm fine. I'm good. Right. I'm fine. I'm good. And the more that we feed that wolf, the the other wolf just starts diminishing. And so it really just comes down to disciplining your mind, which I know is simple to do, simple not to do. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> That's very correct. <laughs> so my last question for you, as always on our podcast is, can you explain to us what being not an average CEO means to you? To me, being not an average CEO is really just coming back to to caring about people, uh, meeting where they're meeting them where they're at, having the emotional intelligence and the willingness and the courage to to really see them, to really seek to understand them, to really see what they want, what is really a win for them, and how do you how does that CEO also hold the space and lead towards the values and the vision of the company? while also holding the space to to see all of the people inside of the company and making sure that it's always a win-win. It's not just a win for the company or it's not just a win for the employees, but it's a win for the company and it's a win for the employees. How can both of those live in this and also world? And I find when a CEO does that, they build a very connected kind of communal culture um, of of people of like minded who who wants to use their gifts and skill sets to like push that company forward and they have great retention and a great working environment. AJ, thank you so much for your insight. I think it was definitely invaluable. It was spot on and and very current. Can you tell our audience where they can find more about you? Yeah, just go to socialglow.com. Um, that's where they can learn more about me. They can learn about, more about Social Glow and how we're helping people build highly engaged communities. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again, maybe in season three. Sounds great, Nicole. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, and Nicole Glitchio, Ells, COO. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you'd like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information.